everyone, and welcome to another episode of Mature Audiences Mayhem. My name is Glenn King. It is my great honor to bring you this podcast where we talk about the things that other podcasts either cannot or will not talk about. That is, things that are for mature audiences only. It's a safe space. In other words, it's a place where people can talk about anything, and it doesn't count. So uh, today, very special guest... Uh, one of the greats in the adult film industry. Uh, you've seen her in many, many videos. Uh, you've seen her on my website, meanbitches.com. You love her. She is the great Mocha Menage. Hey, thank you for having me, Glenn. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for doing the podcast. It's been a while since I've seen you. Uh, but we're both here in Las Vegas. I wish we could be doing this together in the same room. But right now, we are doing this in the middle of a pandemic. So, uh, how you've, you know, I guess I got to ask first off, how are you handling that? How's, how's quarantine life working out for you? You know what? It's not too bad. I feel like honestly, the world kind of needed a little break, maybe not as long as it's going on, but you, everyone just needed to kind of exhale for a moment. I mean, some of the things I hope we keep forever, uh, the blue lines in the grocery store that tell people, Hey, this is where you stand. You mm-hmm. don't stand right. With your neck, your your face touching the person in front of you's neck. Thank uh, you. Or your cart on my heels. Like seriously, back up. <laughs> but speaking of that, it's like there's an intelligence test that people are failing every single day at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Like the blue line does not mean that the front of your cart touches is is, is at the blue line. The blue line is where you stand. I don't understand exactly. why people can't figure that out. I don't know. They're bending the rules all any way possible, and it's not even—it's like literally kindergarten stuff. Kindergarten just uh, have blue lines on the ground. <laughs> yes. Well, that's—we have to start treating the world like kindergarten and telling people to stay <laughs> between the lines when they color, and uh, clean up their own mess would be a good one too. Unfortunately. Yeah, but I, I would say I'm pretty proud of Las Vegas. I think we do uh, social distancing pretty much as well as any city in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can see it in the numbers. I was just tweeting a second ago about the fact that we only had 69 new cases yesterday as we taped this podcast, which is May 6th, I think. Yes. Uh, I, I honestly, by the way, don't remember what day it is most days now. Honestly, I wouldn't remember it if yesterday wasn't single to my own. Yeah, good. Uh, I actually this morning read an article called Wednesday's Tidbits. And I was reading through it going, what an idiot. Like, is anybody going to tell this guy in the comment section that it's Tuesday? I and thought then... it was Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Well, let's talk about the world of uh, adult films, uh, which you've been at for uh, a good number of years. When did you start? Back in 2008. Yes, I was 19 that is a good number of years. Okay, so you're a 12-year <laughs> veteran. Yes. Uh, what? So first off, where did you grow up? In Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Okay. So how many brothers and sisters did you have? I just have one sibling. I have one sister. Okay. So then what led you to the world of adult films? I, I always liked porn. Like, I was always interested in it. And it was just kind of like, well, let me see. I guess I can get into it. Let me just try and see basically, but I always watch porn. <laughs> okay. So you loved porn, 
But mm. did you start as a dancer, or did you just drive to L.A. one day and say, I want to start doing porn, or what, what, <laughs> what was the path? I started off as a dancer, and I was actually approached in a club, like the typical story, like you would think that would start like in a movie or something. And I was approached in a club by a guy who was from Atlanta, and he claimed to be a producer. And it kind of like piqued my antennas, kind of like, huh, okay, this is like my chance. And so I asked him a few questions, like if he had a business card, he didn't have one. He didn't have a website, so that just took that as a red flag. Yes. But then it led me to go online, like Google, how do you become a porn star? So it led me to like, you know, um, I think it was sexyjobs.com. Hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. So you wanted sexy jobs. Then what did you do? You placed an ad on there or you saw somebody's ad for an agency? Yeah, um, I created a profile. I think that's how it was back then. And, you know, I kind of like a lot of people will reach out to you, especially if you're a new girl. But I had an agent reach out to me. And I stayed in contact with this agent for almost a month before I flew out to L.A. So I had to make sure he was actually legit and everything. Which agent are we talking? He's not no longer in the industry. Um, he wasn't like a big company, but somehow he knew how to get me booked for the companies I got shot with. So. Well, can you say his name? I mean, I probably would remember him. His name was Lavelle? Lavelle, Lavelle. I'm, that does ring a bell. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so many years ago. So Lavelle was sort of an agent. I mean, I, you know, people like that, there, there's a lot of them in the industry. Most of them are basically guys who will tell a girl, if I get you a job, will you take it? And then they'll just keep hitting up producers and say, well, I represent so-and-so, I represent so-and-so. And then uh-huh. as a producer, then you find out that, well, it's not that he actually represents her. It's that he said, if I get her a job, will she take it? But Lavelle, right. I take it, was more legit than that. Um, I take it he was, but I, I really don't know. Like, I never even met him in person. Oh, I would wow. just always talk okay. to him over the phone, right. But he would give me work. Like, I got shot with Reality Kings. A lot of my first scenes were with big companies. But I think back then the companies were more relaxed on, you know, girls just walking in with, you know, these random agents versus now they're kind of like licensed and bonded or you get what I'm saying? Oh, definitely. Definitely. There were a lot of them back then. It's, I feels like it's dried up now in terms of people contacting me like that. I used to have people hit me up just constantly saying Mm -hmm. I'm an agent. And and I would say, well, (laughs) I've, I've never liked to book, uh, from people like that because Mm -hmm. a lot of times, um, it turns out that they aren't really the girl's agent or the talent that they have has no idea what is it's like to go on a set or what rates should be or you find out that they're taking 50 percent of her money or Mm -hmm. i've never i've always told these guys sorry look if you get you know get licensed and bonded and then get back to me but otherwise i'm just not interested and and i've turned down some stuff where they've said but look this girl's really smoking hot isn't she and then i've said she is I would shoot her, but not booking her through you, because unfortunately, right. <laughs> right? Because if a girl comes onto my set and is a disaster, then there's a lot of money that I lose for that day, right? Uh, even Definitely. if the, if the scene doesn't get made, and even if I don't pay her, I still got to pay the makeup artist and kill fees to everybody and so on. Uh, but Lavelle, it sounds like it sounds like it worked out pretty well. Mm-hmm. Uh, how long did you say you're with him? 
Um, I was only with him for maybe a couple of years, maybe like two years. But I also was at the time I was in college, so more so it was getting difficult. I was in school in Arkansas, and oh. I was traveling back and forth. Um, back then, you used to be able to like book in advance, even before you had a test, as long as you got there and got tested. Yeah. And so, like, oh, yeah, I can book like two weeks worth of workup. But now they're kind of like, no, we need you in town. <laughs> so right. it just depends on, I guess, the companies. But no, it's it. It makes a lot of sense. Uh-huh. Uh, companies are well. First off, we're a lot less willing to pay travel right. than we used to be, and part of that just has to do with we had a lot of money to spare back then. Right. It, companies didn't have to run like a business back then in two thousand eight and two thousand nine. I remember one company had Hummers for everybody in their company. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember the name of the company. But if you went by their place, you could see, like, a whole parking lot full of Hummers. And it's like, damn, they're really making a lot of money. Uh, but we all were. And then, you know, if you're making that much money and you basically are, are as a director, you're supposed to shoot the girls that make you horny or that turn you on. Mm-hmm. So you're like, okay, well, I want this girl and I'll do whatever it takes to get her. So I'll pay for her flight and I'll pay for everything to get her out here right. and so on. And they were just dishing out cash back then. Sure. I wish we were still like that. Um, what, but why Arkansas, though? You said you grew up in Milwaukee. So mm-hmm. did you go to University of Arkansas or which, which university out there? Uh, university of Arkansas, Pine Bluff. Gotcha. So, yeah. Yep. And it was more like a tradition in my family to go there, so that's the reason why I selected that school. <laughs> what is the Pine Bluff mascot? A golden lion. Oh, okay. That's yeah, way dude. better than a razorback pig. Which... Right, well, everybody in Arkansas is a Hawks fan. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in Texas. Uh, we, you know, and I'm I'm over 50, so at the time <laughs> that I was growing up, there were epic battles between the University of Texas and the University of Arkansas because they were both in the same conference. Right. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a shame. College ball down there. Yeah, it's a shame that they don't, they don't play each other anymore. Okay, so two years in... You broke away from Lavelle, or what happened? Um, yeah, I believe that's just pretty much what happened. I kind of just focused on school for a few years. And then after school, well, not after, I just kind of said, hey, it was getting a little tough to pay for school out of pocket. And I'm like, I'm working at this job. I'm not going to be able to like pay for school and work at this job. So I went back to porn. And so I think I reached out to him initially, but things didn't work out. I don't know why I'm not sure if his connections dried up or our relationship, but something happened to where it didn't work out. Yeah. And so I still went back out to L.A. Because yeah. back then you could still just like do like, um, and I'm pretty sure nowadays you still can do go sees, but it was just like you can roll up on a lot of companies. Right. Especially back then. I mean, that was the model for the system uh, is that basically as a director, we would all have a day once a week or once every few weeks where agencies would bring their girls by and then we would would take a look at them. Um, It's not – you know, like I personally don't do go-sees anymore because now that we're in this Me Too world, um, you get these – just like everybody's ultra-sensitive. They come in for a go-see – if you don't end up shooting them, which you can't shoot everybody, I mean that's the point right. of ghosties is to find the best ones. 
but you can get these complaints of girls saying, well, you know, he... he uh... Exactly. But yeah, go sees not so much anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so what'd you do then? Did you just basically start calling companies on your own, or did you hook up with another agency? No, um, I think I went on some go sees. Oh, no. I went on a few go sees, got the booking, and then somehow I think a person I knew. Do you remember Lee Bang? Yes, I do. We need a Lee yeah. Bang back in the industry these days. And at the time, him and Sophie D were married. Yes. And they both had the agency together. I think it was called Valley Babes, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And with his agency, and he got me shot with like a lot of like the good, like, you know, the bigger name companies back then. Yes. And um, yeah. So I went from there. That was good times. <laughs> well, look, uh, to our listeners, you know, we're talking 2010 here, but. So at the time, Lee Bang ran an agency that mostly had African-American performers and had all the relationships. And I, I don't know why we why the industry had to segregate African-American performers into a separate agency. I think it bothered me at the time. But um, but at least Lee did a great job. I mean, Lee was he called mm-hmm. us all the time and said, hey, I just want to let you know I've got this this girl and this girl. Uh, yeah, he was amazing. I loved him. He like he, he pushed for you. Like even if the director's kind of like, ah, I don't know. He's like, no, please, just give her a chance. I promise you. And they'll take his word for it. He was really good. Yes, I trusted. I trusted Lee in that area as well. Uh, and I think maybe the industry lacks that right now. Mm-hmm. I you know there's like I trust Mark Schechter when he calls me. Uh, Mark Schechter, the head of of uh, ATM LA. For our listeners, mm-hmm. uh, it's a talent agency. So when he calls me and says, I've got a girl and you really should take a look at her, I take a look. Um, but there is no agency that has a large number of African-American performers. There is no agency that specializes, that I know of, that, no. yeah, that aggressively contacts uh, producers like myself. Because I shoot a lot of African-American performers. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people have pointed out that I'm kind of the only company that really shoots uh, African-American performers for female domination videos on a consistent basis. Yeah. And you would think somebody out there would have found me and said, let's set the pipeline <laughs> up here. Exactly. <laughs> but there's Stay not. in your own lane. Like, I like it that way. It's been being successful for you thus far. You get what I'm saying? I don't know. Doing what I do or staying yourself staying in your lane for you? You. As far as, like... Oh, sure. The black femdom, you're saying no one else has contacted you, and they, that's their loss. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, look, I mean, I shoot beautiful women. I mean, it's not, <laughs> there's not a black or yellow or white or blue or green thing or BBW or whatever. I mean, it's right. it's not that difficult for anybody to figure out my pattern if they were really trying to figure it out. And it's funny because they don't, they don't seem to understand it's not that I get up every day and go, uh, yeah, you know, let's let's find an Asian girl because we really only want to shoot Asians. It's that I'm looking for glamorous, beautiful women, and that is not governed by size, race, or whatever. Thank you. Sure, sure. Uh, but I do think that, you know, for the industry, we need something in place that uh that gives african-american performers a better path to prominence Mm -hmm. in our industry i definitely agree it's it's really hard to 
because like you, like a lot of the companies just they're gone now. I'm not sure it's because the DVD phase kind of just you know phased out or what happened. But a lot of the black companies back in the day are they no longer exist. So you no longer have anyone pushing for these girls. The audience is still there. It's not like the audience just vanished with the company. So I don't get it. Of course the audience is there. And now that we're seeing performers strike out on their own with their OnlyFans and many vids mm-hmm. and whatever, we realize that there there's no distinction at all, I don't think, between am I going to make more money if I have an African-American performer or a uh, a white performer? I mean, it's, you know, mm-hmm. it just it goes along the lines of is there something compelling about this performer regardless of race? Right. Uh but, I mean, without this in place right now, like, here's what we really lack. So let's say this stunningly beautiful girl becomes a stripper in Atlanta, and she's African-American, and she does not have a path for her that's as simple and easy as, as you know, her, her Caucasian stripper friends. Mm-hmm. So she decides to pursue it on her own. The problem then is that she doesn't know which companies are legit and which companies are not legit. She doesn't unnecessarily know how the testing system works. And worst of all, she doesn't know uh, the rates. So, for example, I had a performer contact me recently, an African-American performer who is very well known in the industry, has done some work for Reality Kings and Bang Bros. And mm-hmm. I said, oh, she said, you know, I think I should shoot for you. And I said, yeah, I'd, I'd be very interested. And here's... Here's what our rates for a fetish scene that doesn't have any sex in it. And she said, okay, I'll do it for double what you're offering. And I was like, well, just to be clear, there is no sex in this scene. The rate that you're discussing is what people pay for sex scenes. Right. And she said, well, fuck you. Or, <laughs> and I think it was something nicer than that. But there was hmm. a disconnect here. And if she would have had an agent... The right. agent would have said to her, yes, that's they pay pretty well for fetish scenes, and let's try to get you three or four scenes while you're in Vegas, and you know, let's make this work for everybody. He also, or she also, if she had an agent, might have said to her, hey, doing this fetish scene, it doesn't even matter what the money is, because if you want to do female domination, uh, you do these scenes, and then you get slave guys contacting mm-hmm. you, and you build your own personal audience for your own stuff uh did you have trouble then after lee left the industry finding another agent um yes and still to this day i do and i feel like the agencies feel like it's not much work for african-american talent um it's just not much work for us that's how they feel even though that's what guys want to see. They love to see black women. Sure. Like, you get what I'm saying? But yes. I don't know. Yeah, guys want to see great performers. Uh, mm-hmm. But then there are also guys who absolutely are just interested in African Americans, especially mm-hmm. in the world of female domination. There's a whole fetish of white guys who want to be enslaved by a black woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the agencies, I fear, are only interested in, in what I call low-hanging fruit. The easy mm-hmm. ones, you know, like a 19-year-old Elsa Jean is oh, going to yeah. make them easy money. For, for right. them, that's a no-brainer. Uh, a 31-year-old African-American, they look at and say, well, this doesn't fit into what I know is the easiest way to make money. Mm-hmm. 
So that's probably why they say no, because they don't think they're going to get you enough work, but... Right. But, but I don't know that that's, that's the case. I mean, I don't know how they're doing their calculations. Yeah, I'm not sure how they do it, because you can't necessarily just go off of age either, because you can go off of looks. She can be 30, 31, and still look fit the tween and teen kind of, um, you know, look that they're going for. So you just never know. Um, but it's just kind of like they feel like, oh, yeah, like you said, I don't really want to work that hard or I don't think it's enough work to even have her on the roster. And they kind of pass up on it. So, you know, what they should do is look at like, OK, well, Mocha has X number of followers on social media. She has a many vids store and we could see what kind of, you know, audience she has on her minivid store uh we can see how many people on her only fans whatever there should be some mm-hmm. kind of a formula that says like wouldn't it be great if we just had like a score that added up all of those <laughs> things and they go well your q factor is 72 <laughs> when you when you factor in those things and because basically it, it's an audience score it, it means i know that if i shoot mocha Minaj, that she uh, brings with her her audience from many vids, OnlyFans, and social media. Right. That's what exactly. We need. Yeah. Well, I'm going to ask you about your early days on set then. But first, I need to tell our listeners about our sponsor, Sext Panther. Are you on Sex Panther? No, not yet. Well, I'll help you get on Sex Panther if you like. Cool. All right, well, let me tell you about Sext Panther then, because what Sext Panther is, is a way for your fans to get to know you in an amazingly intimate and wonderful manner. They go to a website, sextpanther.com, where they will find uh, Mocha Minaj once she's set up on there, and then they'll get your phone number for free. You can then send her text, or she can send you texts. Uh, She can talk to you on the phone if she so desires. She can send videos to you. You can send videos to her. You can send dick pictures, uh, which is a way better idea than sending a dick picture (laughs) unsolicited to her. Mm -hmm. But would you be happy to rate a guy's dick if he was paying for it? Most definitely. They want to hear your honest opinion anyway. (laughs) Exactly. Everybody, which I still... Don't fully understand the joy of having your dick rated, but um, I know that a lot of you guys out there <laughs> do enjoy having your dick rated. This is how you do it. You go to sextpanther.com, and it's not just Mocha, who will soon be on there, we hope, but it's uh, almost everybody that's ever been on the program. It's Ginger Lynn and Christy Canyon and Kimberly Chi and Christina Rose and Courtney Taylor, and, uh, oh, and yeah. so many are on Sex Panther. So if you are a fan, you want to get to meet and know your favorite porn star, this is the best way to do it. And and just to be clear, does not have to be sexting between you two. You can actually uh, just use that time to chat. I know Ginger Lynn spends most of her time on Sex Panther just talking about her days back in you know mainstream movies or the porn industry in the 80s or, or what it was like dating Charlie Sheen, all those things. Uh, so this would be a great way for you to just get to know the person that you've admired on the screen. And if you're one of the many porn stars who listens to the show uh, and you're not on Sex Panther, then hit me up. Get get with me. Tweet me on Twitter or contact me and I'll help you get started on Sex Panther because I personally believe it is the best way for you to to get to know your fans and have a bond with your fans 
uh, that will last for a long time. And that's what you need to be successful in this industry is to have loyal fans who will pay for your content as you develop your own content. So once again, that is sextpanther.com, S-E-X-T-P-A-N-T-H-E-R.com. Back to Mocha Minaj. Uh, Mocha, which, by the way, what is your Twitter? It's Mocha, and then the triple X is in the middle, Minaj. There you go. All right, so you've been hanging around sets for a long time. What's different about sets these days than they were back in 2008? Um, I think back in the day, they the, you were on set longer, it seemed like. Yeah. It was a lot more people. Um, you were on set pretty much all day long. Yeah. And then also, you would have more scenes. You would have, like, multiple scenes in a day. Like, you would just have a <laughs> lot of shoots lined up. Now, yes. it's kind of like you might have, you know, so. Four a month, maybe, now. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the worst back then, was if you knew that you were the... If you were the second scene that a girl was doing in a day, <laughs> you may as well give up. I knew that. I would always try to find out. I would always schedule my, time, my my call times early to try to avoid that because what would happen is no porn set ever has finished on time. Right. So a girl would – the agent would book a girl at 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. and the 3 p.m. guy would have to be sitting there saying, well, her agent says she's almost finished with that set <laughs> and you hope that she would show up later. Um so yeah, and then the other thing is that yeah, they would have all these people on set, like two cameramen and a grip and a lighting person, and we don't have any of that anymore. <laughs> that would probably have to go back to the budget thing, and you know, money and everything just blowing back then too. A hundred percent. On set. hundred <laughs> percent. I remember visiting David Christopher's sets back in the beginning. Uh, you know, Pussy Man, who got me into the industry, and he would have. I mean, there were twenty or thirty people on his sets. <laughs> and literally they would get there with the union mentality so they would arrive at 10 a.m and the first thing we do is leave go get like uh some donuts or something go get first breakfast. Thing we do is leave. Yeah. i'm like david why would you even have these people on your set to you know unless they were ready to get started when they got there we're all sitting around waiting for them to get back from eating breakfast like this makes no sense um <laughs> uh, do you think that there's a different style of directing these days? Um, yeah, I'm seeing more there like more talent getting behind the camera yeah. and directing and still being talent too. I like that. Um, like I said, they're they're faster with it. Yeah, so it's definitely a difference. A different style. Yeah, that's probably one of the best things about having talent directing is that they understand that you don't want to be there all day long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, there's a certain uh, amount of time that any performer has before they their energy expires. Yeah, energy, enthusiasm, on top of you may not have an authentic kind of uh, chemistry. Right. So it's kind of like, yeah, let's get the ball rolling here. <laughs> the best part of the scene is supposed to be the climax where the guy pops. And, and, you know, if the girl is so tired at that point or mentally checked out, then you're not mm-hmm. getting that. Uh, you talk about chemistry between on-screen performers. Do you like kissing uh, performers? I mean, when you're in a scene with a guy or girl, I guess. 
Or, or are you on, on the side that goes, no, I want aggressive, rough sex, and I want somebody to slap me, and I don't want to kiss anybody? <laughs> I like a little bit of both. I like more so kissing women. Um, the guys, I like the aggressiveness. And more so, a lot of times the companies put me in the scenes that are more kind of aggressive. So it's more hair pulling and name calling or, uh, you know, dirty talking, things like that. Have you been in a scene where the guy was too aggressive? No, we usually talk things out beforehand. And I, oh God, the guys I've been with listen, so they've been pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, what's the, like, the most aggressive thing that's ever happened in a scene with you? Um, the most aggressive? Yeah, you hear this, well, you know, like, I think you are... Not that you're intimidating, but you're kind of like, you don't take shit from people. But a lot of these, <laughs> the complaints that you hear from time to time are these scenes where the guy is encouraged by the director to slap a girl around. Uh, there was one I watched where a girl had complained about it, and I think people didn't realize that the guy walks in and he pops the girl under the chin with a, um, like a, uh, a palm strike, basically. Which is very painful. It doesn't look that bad on camera, but you can, I mean, listeners at home, take your palm and hit yourself under the chin real quick and see how you like it. It's not good. Uh, So that's the kind of type of things you you hear about. I mean, I wouldn't know because my sets are all about the girl beating up the guy. (laughs) <laughs> exactly no i mean thank goodness i haven't had an incident like that because like you said i'm not i'm a force to be reckoned with so <laughs> so nobody's no, overly cool. choked I've you i've had instances where our personalities just, just kind of didn't clash they just didn't work but that was as far as it got in so you never walked off a set no no that's good <laughs> it's really good. I mean, to have been in this industry this long and have never had a single set where you walked off of it, because I think most performers would have one or two or mm-hmm. three days like that. It just shows something about your personality, I think. Oh, thank you. Definitely. I'm I'm super cool. Like, I'm super chill. So, like, my personality kind of just flows with a lot of people, so I hardly ever have an instance where I'm on set, whether it's male or female, so where it's like, we're beefing or, you know, it's off, but it has been a time where chemistry was just not hitting it. <laughs> yeah. So if you were telling our listeners to go check out the scenes that you think are the most memorable of yours or the ones that really stand out, which ones would you tell them to go look at? Honestly, my content is popping. Like, it's literally a lot of content I haven't even released. But if you were to do, like, stuff that's already released, um, my dog farts, scene was really good with um the gangbang and all my reality king scenes are good okay so so dog fart did a gangbang scene like describe this was there any kind of a plot to this or or was it just how do these things work (laughs) it was a lot of guys it was like six guys six or seven guys and it was outdoors i think we started in the pool they wanted the guys to kind of overpower me though not me like you know take over on them <laughs> that was the kind of the only little plot twist to it but hey i'll take it <laughs> was it all white guys or was it a mix yes. it was all white guys okay mm-hmm. so this is their oh what is their site called we we fuck 
No, wait a minute. We Fuck Black Girls yep. or something? Yes. Yep, that's the site. Gotcha. Yeah, I've seen some of their trailers. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so they got like six white guys basically in a pool and uh, does this... So I'm not a big fan of gangbang scenes um, mm-hmm. because there's the weird awkwardness of like three guys kind of standing around jerking their cocks. Because <laughs> I mean, you can only have how you only have three holes. Exactly. <laughs> uh, was there that kind of awkwardness, or how do you? What do you do when you're in the middle of this thing? Like, how do you stay in the moment? A lot of energy, definitely. Um, use all limbs <laughs> <laughs> to keep it. You know the try to get everyone involved but i mean you can't help everyone if it's more than you know a certain amount of guys so <laughs> did you pick the six guys yourself no i they were just there <laughs> on set that's what i would do is i would tell the girl like i think they may maybe they do it but i would tell the girl okay well i want you to pick the six guys out of this pool of 10 or something <laughs> it can't always work out that way. All right, well, what else are your favorite scenes that you've done? Your scene is Aww. so I love the femdom. I love I wish I would do more scenes like that. I wish I would get more calls from people saying, "Hey, we need like you said black femdom." So, yeah. Well, we've had you three times or twice. Mm-hmm. Three times, right? We should have you yeah. again. It's probably about time. I'm looking on the website right now as we speak to see how many times we had Mocha. We did twice. We never shot you with Deviant David, huh? Or maybe yep. we did. Yeah, I Deviant shot with Deviant David. David. I think that was the oh, first there it one. Is. Okay, there's one. But we didn't do a mean dungeon scene. We well, we did do a mean dungeon scene with you and me, sort of, but it was more of a bunch of clips. So, huh, I thought we did Mean Dungeon with you. Well, we should put you in Mean Dungeon. Definitely. You know, uh, it looks like you are slimmer in the second scene. So we shot you in 2016. Mm -hmm. And before that, it's hard to say because this version of my website only started in 2013. So it was before that. But you were slimmer in 2016 than you were eight years before that. So you're keeping yourself, a lot of girls, most girls, it goes the opposite. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, my weight kind of like fluctuates between kind of like thick and slim between those two. But yeah, it's like right now, I don't know if it's maybe a little quarantine weight, but I got some booty on me <laughs> now. <laughs> um, well, what's your exercise routine? Like how do you study do it? I like, honestly, cardio. So I like going on hikes or walks or anything like that. Um, but that's about it. I need to try to do, like, some gym workout kind of stuff to stay fit and tone, I guess. But mm-hmm, it works for me. Well, how are you going to do that? Gyms are never going to open back up. Or if they do open back up, like, they should put a big sign on it saying, this is the gym where you can get fit and get coronavirus at the same exactly. time. I will never enter another gym for the rest of my life. They would have to take out, like, so many of their machines and then only operate at a certain capacity. If they, I mean, they're going to find some kind of way to open up. There's so many gym heads. Right. They're not going to cut it. They're not going to have it. 
<laughs> well, in Georgia, they're already open. That was like phase zero. <laughs> the first thing they opened up was the gym. Like, who wants to go bowling out of all times? <laughs> Like not only did, like do you is it silly to open the bowling alleys as a essential business first, but um, <laughs> like there's no like unless you, you you're gonna bring your own bowling ball, you're gonna <laughs> stick your little hands where somebody else just stuck their coronavirus hands. Exactly. Uh, I never I stopped going to gyms like ten years ago <laughs> because of the, my germophobia back then. And it would mm-hmm. be a million times worse right now. But but the bottom line is that you get a hundred percent of people in there sweating. I assume. Mm-hmm. Breathing the, heavily. Of the yeah, breathing heavily, and of those hundred percent, only thirty percent bring little towels with them to wipe the equipment down after they're done with it. <sighs> and now even those thirty percent aren't going to be cleaning the equipment good enough to kill mm-hmm. the coronavirus. Yeah, like, I don't know. And then you're going to have people working out in their masks. And how is that going to work? And let's not even start on Vegas, how we're going to open back up the casinos. Yeah. So casinos are announcing, listeners at home, that they're going to be at 50% capacity, no more than 50% capacity, only three people at a blackjack table. They're putting in little spit shields between you and the dealer to prevent each other from spitting on each other. I assume everybody's going to have to wear masks. Uh, you're going to have to get heat tested. They're going to they're going to infrared check your your body temperature as you walk in the door and you can't get in if you have a fever. But I'm not sure how that's going to work if it's like the usual 120 degree Vegas day. Exactly. And you walk in off the strip like is does this thing know that your body's going to be hotter? Than normal because you were outside in the desert heat exactly so yeah these are questions that have to be answered uh, what do you think about what would it take to get you back on a porn set now that this coronavirus thing is is uh, that we're, we're entering phase one of reopening well definitely thorough sanitation on set um but even the the testing that we have right now i feel like it's kind of unless you're doing it at the time you're on set but if you did it the day before it's pointless because it's airborne you know so you walk past someone on the way you you just i don't know it's hard to prevent it um i would like to start back shooting i'm just not sure how we would do it with everything going on yeah it's gonna be tough uh the uh, free speech coalition which runs our testing system pointed out last week that even though talent testing services uh, it's going to be offering COVID testing to adult performers starting in uh, next week. Uh, mm-hmm. That they're not sure that that solves the problem because, of course, you can you can test negative on a Monday and then go to the grocery store on Tuesday and touch a bag of cereal that somebody else touched, touched your face, mm-hmm. and you've got it. And then you can pass it on to the next person on set. And what do we do about that? I don't know. Exactly. So, I don't know. Like, I just don't get it. <laughs> but at the same time, we have to reopen. Uh, right. Because the vaccine won't be here until 2021, maybe. So, mm-hmm. you know, if, if we, it would be great if we could get uh, 
15 minute on-site testing where somebody just, you know, gives you a thing to prick somebody's finger and mm-hmm. you wait like a pregnancy test, right? If it turns blue, right. you're good. If it turns red, you should kill the person immediately to prevent them from from giving the disease to somebody else. I don't know. We're not going to we don't have those things and yeah, we don't have those answers and we definitely don't have I don't know if we have even availability for testing like that just yet. I don't think so, but but here's what we've got, I guess, because the industry's reopening. Um, you know, we've got testing. I think the uh, performers are going to be testing every seven days for COVID. Um, uh, crew will have to be tested as well. Makeup artists will have to be tested as well. Uh, sets would have to be sanitized. I mm-hmm. think we probably have to wear masks on set, as annoying as that might be. It's one thing to wear a mask for 20 minutes in a grocery store, but to wear it for four hours is going to be a little bit well, challenging. So talent has to wear it while shooting? Or no. no, don't wear it while shooting. But that defeats the purpose then if... Not talent. It would hmm. be just the uh, the crew. You know, I guess your okay. camera person would be wearing a mask, but not the, not the uh, performers. There's no point in performers wearing masks uh, because if one of the two performers has it, <laughs> they're gonna get it regardless sorry the yeah. whole how are you gonna do it with a, a mask on in the first place um i think like how are you gonna give a blowjob with a mask on so there's no point to go in there but you could have the cameraman wearing a mask it's it's just that uh it's it's just not easy to wear a mask for four hours straight basically mm-hmm you know, but maybe what you can do probably is keep the cameraman six feet away from the performers at all times. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, huh. it's a real challenge for our industry. We're gonna have to start facing it. I think the first thing you have to do is if if you got to make it clear to performers that if you're in the high risk group, then you have to stay home. You can't mm-hmm. go back into the talent pool if you have asthma. And you're somebody that could end up dying if you get COVID. Uh, go ahead. Yeah. 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 That that's true. I was gonna say, how can you make sure the talent is you're truthful with it? But I guess it'd be sign like a, some kind of medical form or something like that. But yeah, we have to figure something out fast. Everyone with their phases, and that's why everything's all over the map. Right. Well, you know, Vegas, we're opening up, uh, you know, the governor's not going to end up saying, here are the industries that can open porn. You know, that's never (laughs) going to happen, that we're going to be included. Most uh, governors pretend we don't exist, so Mm -hmm. we're not going to get any help there. I guess we could sort of look to the brothels to some degree to see when they open up. Uh, What do you think about the strip clubs? Uh, strip clubs are different than our industry because they let people in from the public. So a porn set will most likely have four people on it, right? The two performers, the makeup artist, and the director. Maybe five people if you've got a a, a PA, production assistant. Mm -hmm. But you can test all five of those people and... You know, and then you can control the environment to some degree. With a strip club, you've just got hundreds of people walking in and out all day long, and there's just no way to to control 
you know, who's in and out, you know, who, who's got it and who doesn't and who gets in, in exposed. And, and that's why I feel like our industry can open up. When the governor talks about phase one, phase two, phase three, essentially he's talking about phase, places being open to the public. We're not open to the public. So it's very right. important that producers – so, for example, I had a scene booked the day before we got shut down in the first place. And I had hired a stunt coordinator to come in. It was going to be a wrestling scene, and so I had hired somebody to come in and give us instructions on uh, or uh, uh, training on how to uh, take uh, do the kind of stunts that they do in pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. I don't want to reschedule that scene right now because that's one extra person to have on set. I want the right. minimum number of people on my set. Yeah, that's unfortunate. This, ugh, this whole scenario is just. It sucks. It does. No, and it's such that no one really has the <laughs> answers to us. See if we had some kind of something, but we're literally all kind of just kind of like, hey, let's get a vaccine, or let's. It, everything's going to take forever. <laughs> it's taking forever, and we need it now. There are absolutely no right answers. When you see people fighting and arguing passionately on Twitter, they are both <laughs> right. Uh, the guy that says, "Hey, people are dying here." So we all need to stay home is correct, and mm-hmm. the other guy that says I'm dying of of I'm not, I can't put food on the table for my kids, right. so I have to go back to work. That guy is correct also. A twelve hundred dollar okay. check from the government does not change anything one bit. That it only goes. Everyone's like, who needed it? It's kind of like, okay, where's the next one? That's not gonna that barely solve any problems. A lot of that probably went to groceries. Right. You get what I'm saying? So. Ugh. Well, I think when they started the quarantine, the idea was we would take a month or two uh, and we would basically buy some time for a vaccine or for cures or for better testing. And here we are a couple months later and we really don't – we're really we're still months and months away from a vaccine. We don't really have a cure that's out there just yet, although there are some promising, hopeful possibilities uh, testing, we got a little bit better, but we still don't have the ability to test people on set or test people at the job every day. So we're really not a lot. We're pretty much where we were two months ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, except for we that. Have school year creeping up. <sighs> now, there is some good news, sort of, in that uh, I track this every day. In Nevada, we only had 69 new uh, new cases yesterday. Mm-hmm. And we did start free testing on Tuesday, uh, yesterday. So I guess we'll know in a few days when that free testing goes on. We should see a spike. You would think mm-hmm. if right. – so they're testing 300 people a day uh, for free at the Orleans Casino right now. Is so, it still the nose swab? Do you know they're still doing that? or? I think it's the nose swab. I, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty okay. sure that we don't uh, – we're not doing blood yet. Because mm-hmm. uh, when we do blood, we're going to be able to test for antibodies. Mm-hmm. So antibodies means that we'll be able to know who had it. I mean, I think this is where the real solution to the problem comes in at some point. Is if we knew that, A, uh, if we knew every who, who has had the disease in the past and who hasn't, and B, mm-hmm. if it actually made you immune, if, we, if it made sure that you're not going to get it again... And we could just shoot everybody that already has had the virus. Which, and a vaccine, right. Well, you don't need a vaccine at that point because you are the vaccine. 
Um, you know, that's essentially what a vaccine is, is they're giving you a small version of the disease to let you build up the antibodies to it. Mm-hmm. I believe, and, you know, don't I'm not a medical guy. I, it's, I'm just uh, making stuff up here, essentially. But I believe in my gut that most of us in the adult film industry were exposed to the virus in January at the, at the um, AVN show. Oh, um, my goodness. And probably thought it was the typical AVN flu. That's right. Oh, my gosh. I never thought about that. Every year, we all go to this convention. People fly in from all over the world, especially Asia, to our convention. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guys stand in line for for uh, quite a while to be able to sit on the lap or to have a porn performer sit on their lap or to hug their favorite porn mm-hmm. performer. There is no way that that disease didn't get out amongst that population. It's impossible if you look at the the way this virus spreads and the fact that the virus was already out there in late January when we did this. We had to have gotten it. Mm-hmm. And everyone that I know who's in the industry will tell you that, yes, after the show this year, it was not like the normal AVN flu. It was like uh, different. And I personally had... Uh, chest pains, um, uh, a dry cough, mm-hmm. uh, fatigue. I was cra- like, it was like, man, I'm old. It's like I gotta take a nap every time I take a drink of my water here. I take a sip, and I'm like, man, that was that took a lot of effort to get the glass up to my mouth. Yeah, goodness. Yeah, so I think we all had it, and I think we would find out that we, the porn industry, are we're the key, we're the cure. They should <laughs> test all our blood. And then they would be able to solve most of the problems. All right. Well, let's stop talking about uh, coronavirus here. It's depressing, right? Let's uh, let's let our viewers get to know you a little bit, or listeners get to know you a little bit more personally. What do you like to do? Like, what kind of movies do you like to watch? Honestly, I like action and thriller, suspense. Um, I like mob movies, anything kind of gangsterish. I love all that stuff. Ah, okay. Who's, who's your favorite actor? My favorite actor. Oh my, there's so many. The Rock. <laughs> I just don't mind. Like he's my favorite. I love The Rock. I was gonna say he's pretty good, though. But no, he's not my favorite. Um. Oh my goodness, I couldn't even tell you. It's so many great actors. Okay, what's your who's your favorite singer or musician? Favorite singer. Yeah, so well, listen up, even. musicians who listen to the podcast. She's about to give you the green light to slide into her DM. <laughs> just, just so she's going to give us some names of some famous singers that she's into. Not singers, My favorite musicians. all-time singer will probably have to be between Prince, like Prince, definitely. It's like just top of the charts. Okay, he's now, dead. He's well, not going to be sliding into your DMs. <laughs> Which which musicians do you want to slide into your DMs here? <laughs> musicians inside of my DMs? Uh, it probably wouldn't be a singer right now, but it would be, hmm. I like the baby, but he's a little aggressive. But I kind of like that for like a one-nighter. Okay. A little baby. Okay. Who else? Drake seemed like he would be fun. Yes. He would be fun to hang out with. <laughs> Drake, Drake, give her a call. Okay. The baby, <laughs> hit her up. 
the baby has been with porn stars, right? Am I or is that public or no? Uh-huh. Or what? Okay, <laughs> you don't know. Gotcha. No. Just give a little wink, nodge. Uh, that's what sucks about not being able to do these in person. Uh, I don't know. Usually, if I ask a performer like something like that, she might write something on a piece of paper. But right, as far as you way. guys know, the baby has never publicly been with a porn star. There you go. <laughs> but Drake had. Oh, who was Drake with? Allegedly, his baby mom's. No, I. Who's his baby mama? Um, I forgot her, Sophia. Hmm. I forgot her name, but, um, yeah, she was, she's French, so she's done, like, overseas porn, allegedly. But everyone says she's a porn star. So does this make it okay in for these rappers? Like, if you bang an American porn star, that's like, she's a slut or whatever, like... But if it's a French porn star, well, you know, it's high <laughs> class, so it's just gotta well, be. Well, it's not like he was like had her on some kind of pedal stool or chauffeuring around or anything. Mm-hmm. It was kind of brought to the light, hmm. like a secret. So, you know, there's yeah. a new scandal today, right? Uh, Roquan Smith, who is the number one draft pick of the Bears last year, mm-hmm. posted on his Instagram a bunch of videos of him and Abella Danger partying. Uh, this week, which apparently is okay these days for a famous athlete to party with a porn star is fine, but not during the middle of a pandemic when you're supposed to be at home and they're doing a big boat party with a bunch of girls and everybody partying together. Right. That's why everyone's kind of like, I'm not against it. I'm for it, but not during the pandemic. Where's your mask? Yeah. Where's your mask, Abella? Come on, get your shit straight. <laughs> but I mean, everyone's cooped up, and hey, these guys, they be needing these scandals to kind of get like a, they need that little ring. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, they're the celebrity, but they need a little scandal to get them in the blogs, get them talking about more than what's the game or their album or something. I don't know. Yeah. Now, all you have to do is get on someone's uh, IG Live. <laughs> so, right, I've seen this, so... Famous rappers are now inviting porn stars on their IG Live Zoom stuff, or is that what's what's happening with this? Yeah, porn stars or anyone, like, you know, the popular IG model girls or, you know, famous baby mamas and stuff like that. But, yeah, I mean, everyone's in the house bored anyway. Why not tune in? And I'm not even sure if they get paid off of it, but the girls eventually, they'll get their audience. You know, they get a lot of traffic to their OnlyFans or their platforms. Yeah. Okay, well, all right, name one more celebrity that you want to slide into your DMs so that I can um, I can assist here. A lot of celebrities <laughs> listen to my podcast. Really? Let oh, me yeah. see, let me see. Oh, my goodness. Young Jeezy. Young Jeezy. He's dating, he's dating someone right now, but that's like my ultimate dream. Okay, but that is irrelevant <laughs> that he's dating somebody right now because if he's famous, he doesn't he doesn't limit himself to one girl. That doesn't happen. You know it doesn't happen. Exactly, but you know. Yeah. All right, last thing that we're going to talk about to get people to know you personally, conspiracy theories. Like, everybody these days is into all these conspiracies. It used to be that was the fringe of the world, was all the people that that were into these weird things. But now there are more people that believe them that don't. So Mm -hmm. you tell me, like, do you think we faked the moon landing? Do you think the Earth is flat? 
Do you think aliens exist? Which are the ones that have you fascinated sometimes when you're high as fuck? Um, really kind of, yeah, I don't know about the aliens. I really don't get involved with the whole UFO sightings and stuff. Do I believe it's other species, extraterrestrial out there? Yeah, I don't think they're on Earth, though. I don't think they're on Earth. Why Do I believe on Moon? Yeah. I just, where are they? Well, they're small. They're teeny tiny. <laughs> Someone, it would be more than these random occurrences of them. I, mean, I, I don't believe that they're on Earth. They're well, on hold on a planet. second here. So we are, uh, our civilization has been around for like, what, four or 5,000 years? Mm-hmm. And here's, uh-huh. we already have developed drones that are tiny and can, you know, uh, take pictures without even you seeing them. You know, we have mosquito-sized drones, right? Wow. How come, if we were a million years old, we were a million-year-old civilization, again, we've had 5,000 years to work. You don't think if a civilization was a million years old that they couldn't develop technology that would be make them unseen to us? Hmm. Yeah, you got a point. Maybe they live under the ocean? <laughs> under the ocean. Yes. I don't know where they're hiding at. That's what I think is if you go... <laughs> Uh, so you used to live in L.A., right? No. Oh, nope. You never lived in Okay. Well, I used to live in uh, Encino. So there was uh, – we, we, I used to drive to Reseda every morning. And then uh, from there you could hike up to the top of this mountain. I can't remember uh, – Caballero Canyon. Caballero Canyon. So you hiked up to the top of the mountain. And from the top of the mountain you could see to the Pacific Ocean. You could see Malibu and, and uh, uh, this island, Catalina Island and so on. So uh, and from there you could actually walk down the other side of the mountain straight to the ocean about twelve miles. Uh, but I used to see all kinds of weird, silvery-looking objects flying through the sky at six thirty a.m. or five a.m. when I was up there. Silver-looking objects—that's funny. So that's what I believe is that the they're parked. Isn't that where you would park your spaceship? Is under like the water? That's because that's not where we look for those. You can't park it in Walmart. But you don't think, like, submarines would pick up on it? I don't think a lot of submarines go that very as deep as these, you know, as these super sophisticated uh, aliens could go. (laughs) Also, submarines, I don't think submarines go that close to the, um, to the, to Malibu. Like, I, I think there's underwater sort of shelves that they could go to. Hmm. I got read on this. Well, they have to be somewhere. Okay. So you believe in aliens, but you don't believe the aliens are here on Earth. Yeah. Uh, is Tupac really dead? I don't know. I would think by now he would, like, show up. Like, they're saying if you fake your death, that's, like, prison time, but now it's like statute of limitations, right? Like he wouldn't get prison time. So I feel like if he was alive, he would come forward by now. Wait, wait, what is this? So you feel like he might have faked his own death to get out of a crime that he did? No, not out of a crime. But you know, they say like, oh, you fake your own death. That's oh. like a, that's a crime in itself. But oh. it's now exceeded the I think it was seven years or something. Yeah, it's way past that. So why isn't he come out by now? Because maybe he doesn't want to come out. Like maybe he wants to be. 
uh, alone. Like Michael Jackson, for example, I think when he faked his own death, it was just because he was tired of people bothering him and, and they couldn't walk around without everybody jumping on top of him. And so now he's happily being whatever he is. Mm-hmm. Assuming, you know, I mean, I just made that up that he didn't kill himself, <laughs> but or that he didn't die. But I, I don't know, like if you Google Michael Jackson still alive, there is a video I saw one time of that somebody filmed one of his relatives in a car and in the back of her, like she was doing her own little Instagram or something. And you can mm-hmm. see in the background, there's a dude that looks a lot like Michael Jackson mm-hmm. in the car with her. You gotta Google this. Michael Jackson could be still alive. Could be. Yeah. Okay, but but if a guy was taking you out on a date, and so we won't tell anybody this, but if, what's the secret thing that he could talk about that would spark you up, that would just get you going like, oh yeah 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 yeah, I'm very interested in that subject. So crazy politics. Really crazy. Right? You would not. I love politics. If I can do any, if I can turn back the hands of time, I would be a politician. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll give you your platform here real quick. I am an independent. Just, just to be clear, I'm an independent. Uh, I never. I look at each issue one by one. I don't. I'm not a Democrat or Republican. Okay, you state your uh, affiliation. I am a Democrat. Okay. So you feel like Trump is doing a terrible job? <laughs> yes. Trump is hilarious, though. I, I can give him that. He's he's comedy, but I don't. Uh, he's doing terrible. So again, we're we're doing this taping on May sixth. This is after Trump has stopped doing the daily uh, press briefing on coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Don't you miss those? Yes, I mean it just kept <laughs> he just showed his true colors every single day. The whole Lysol and the doctors <laughs> wouldn't even look. They weren't even making eye contact with him, and they were so shamed. They had secondhand embarrassment for sure on camera. <laughs> I think the hard part to listen to those is like they'll ask him, well, uh, 70,000 Americans have now died. Uh, what would you like to say to the the families? Like that's a softball question, Trump. Mm-hmm. Like that every other president would have gone, oh, thank God, that's an easy one, and then go off mm-hmm. on a thing about how much you care about every American. But Trump will go like, well, I think we should tell those families that I'm doing a great job. Uh, and that uh, I I've been the best president ever. The stock market is at its highest point. Uh, that I built the economy better than anybody else. And exactly. like, what? No, we, we were asking about what you want to say to people whose kids have died. Don't you want to say about them instead of you? I would like to say that they should appreciate me and tell me that I'm. They should thank me for my leadership. That's like oh. I miss those. Yeah, he's a mess. Please, President Trump, come back to the podium. Do more. I want to see those press conferences again. They're very entertaining. <laughs> so you will not be voting for Trump, I take it. Are you feeling good about Joe Biden? I'm waiting to see who he selects as his running mate, um, vice president. So He's promised a female. Yeah, I like that. I'm hearing it may be a black an African woman, American woman, so we'll see. But even if not, a female is a good step. Who would you like to see? Who would you like him to choose? Stacey Abrams. Mm-hmm. She ran yes. for governor of Georgia. It's, um, yes. Very progressive. 
So that might yeah. be a good choice. So does your Twitter have political information on it? Or, or uh, I'm just uh, trying to figure out if people should be watching your Twitter to make their voting decision. <laughs> no, I don't retweet from a lot of uh, like politics or political accounts, no. But right. I do like them. If I'm like swooping past them, it's a good status or something, I'll like it. All right, so as we wrap up here, um, if you are a swing voter in Michigan, Wisconsin, or uh, uh, Pennsylvania, you're trying to decide, and it gets to November, you hit up Mocha Minaj. Her Twitter, again, <laughs> is? Mocha, M-O-C-H-A, triple X, Minaj, M-E-N-A-G-E. So hit her up on Twitter or her Instagram, which is? Mocha underscore Minaj. So hit her up in one of those two places. And <laughs> also, forget the political advice. Go buy her content, which you can do so on her OnlyFans. Yep. OnlyFans forward slash mocha triple X last, same as Twitter handle. Okay. And you also have a mini vid store. Yes, and it's Menage Triple X. What kind of stuff is on your mini vid store? Mini vids is some of everything. I have um fetish on there i have girl girl solos so you get a mixture of everything there you go uh anything else you want to pimp out here while you're on uh, with our viewers like uh you got any other stores clips for sale no no other stores right now i'm going to go ahead and get my avn stars set up so look out for that and then you can go check me out on pornhub <laughs> yeah check her out on pornhub that's good too so mm -hmm. um all right, well, there you go, everybody. The great Mocha Minaj. Mocha, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. If you are a, um, a fan of Mocha's who just joined us on the podcast just to hear Mocha and get her story, uh, then we appreciate you coming by, and we hope that you will hit the subscribe button and also hit that uh, uh, review button. Give us a five-star review. Maybe put in a sentence or two about how great and how uh, amazing it was hearing Mocha and her sexy voice. Uh, just do all those things because we need more listeners for the podcast and uh, more listeners will turn into more sponsors and more sponsors turns into more guests and all those great things. So there you go, everybody. Thank you so much again. My name is Glenn King. It's Glenn King XXX, G-L-E-N-N-K-I-N-G-X-X-X. -X -X. Thank you again. Mocha Minaj! Thank you.